listening to Guatney Unplugged on News Radio 102.9 KARN with Scott Romine. Brought to you by Guatney Automotive Group. Hey, Scott Romine here. Excited. Our next guest here. This is the first time we've had a world champion ever on this show. He's a five-time world champion, 10-time national champion in uh, weightlifting and powerlifting. He's also an author of three books. And he's got, he's a musician too. He's got albums out there. Mr. Ricky Dale Crane. How are you, Mr. Crane? How you doing, sir? Glad to be here. Man, great to talk to you. Now, I, I got to go back. You're raised in, I guess, Phoenix, Arizona. What is your first introduction to lifting weights? Uh, well, I was probably two or three years old, and my brother was about one or two. He's a year younger than me. And my father had been a a weightlifter, powerlifter, bodybuilder already for all oh, since he was probably 15 or 16 years old back into the early 40s. And he started us weight training when we were small. And my brother and I, and eventually my sister, we've been doing it for 60 plus years. What kind of numbers do you remember your dad uh, lifting? Uh, he was actually a pretty good lifter. Um, he was a, He got better. He was actually a when he got to be in his 40s and 50s, he was a world-class lifter for his age group at that point. Um, his best lifts uh, were done when he was in his mid-50s. Wow. He weighed, about the, he weighed about the same as I did, maybe just a little bit less, but he mostly did all these in the 165, 181-pound class. And in his 50s, he, uh, he was squatting right around 500, and he was benching around 380, I believe, and he deadlifted about 600. Do you have any memory of maybe being a teenager and being competitive with your dad? Were you trying to catch your dad at that early age? Oh, yeah. I trained with him my whole life. So actually, the only time that I actually lifted against my father in a meet would have been in the late 70s of the YMCA Nationals. Uh, it was in Ohio. And it was a meet that if you were a member of a YMCA anywhere around the country, since YMCA lifting was kind of premier back then, that's where a lot of them lifted. Um, and so I actually lifted against him in the 165-pound class at the YMCA Nationals, and I out-squatted him and out-deadlifted him, and he I think he out-benched me five pounds. Wow. And I would have been about 25 years old at the time, and he would have been in his uh, early 50s. How uh, amazed are you at, I want to say, when you got started, especially probably in your dad's time of lifting, a lot more technology and dieting and supplements have come along since then. Do you think they've been a huge help? Oh, yeah. It's it's completely night and day. I've had a business myself involved with it since the late 70s. And, of course, growing up, there was not virtually any of the, the protein supplements, the vitamin supplements, and the higher potencies. Uh, amino acids weren't around. Uh, all Virtually probably three-fourths of the items that you see in a, in a nutrition store today weren't in existence back then. So it was kind of like you made up your own concoctions of proteins and uh, protein drinks. And, and there was a lot of other good, healthy food supplements that people used, uh, germ oils and brewer's yeast and a bunch of crazy things back then to get the, the nutrition that you needed. But uh, it's come, obviously, a long ways in that. And then, of course, the training techniques are probably better now. Back then, it was just kind of, uh, you know, you just did hard work and ate food and tried to recover with some good sleep. 
And hey. nowadays we have uh, a lot of different machines and a lot of different equipment that we, we didn't have back as far as even the 70s or 80s. At what point did it hit you, the competitive bug? Because you took this thing really far. Five-time world champion, 10-time national champion. What's your first memories of competing the first time? Well, my dad always had it in his mind uh, that we were going to compete in powerlifting as well as other sports that we were doing. And my first contest was actually an Olympic lift contest, 1963, when I was 10 years old. My brother was eight years old at the time and was out in the Bay Area, San Francisco, Oakland Bay Area. I think it was at Berkeley YMCA there. And uh, that was our first contest, and we both won it. And uh, it's kind of like haven't looked back since. Can you talk about, I think, for the person driving down the road listening to us right now, they might have assumed that you did all this huge lifting and you were a really big 400-pound guy. You were squatting 630 pounds at 148 pounds. You, you were benching 350 at 148 right. pounds. I'd be good to, bun- to bench 150. I mean, that that is not a, you know, Andre the Giant, and you're as strong as somebody like that. That's unreal. Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of it has to do with incredible, you know, uh, I guess working on your – form, style, and technique, and I've been a real proponent of that, more so than maybe even the routines. Good routines are good, but if you're doing them the wrong way, you're never going to get to where you want. So, And I've always prided myself and try to eat fairly good, uh, clean, so that I tried to keep most of the body fat off me, so that would help keep me in lower weight class. Now, I did go up to the 165, 181. That's, 165 is where I did probably my biggest lifts um, in the last 20 or 30 years, so... Um, but you know, 165, I, I put up some really, really big numbers too. So. Yeah. 440 pound bench, bench press at 165 pounds and you deadlift 716 pounds. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, I'm sure <laughs> a lot of it was genetic. A lot of it was having the, uh, the, the focus that my father gave me and my brother on comp, you know, to be competitive and then uh, just do a lot of hard work with a lot of good uh, uh, workout partners, and I guess you end up with some good results. You know, nowadays we see these shows on ESPN, like these World Strongman, and they're picking up these big boulders and, and putting right. them on a post and all that. Did anything like that exist when you were, you know, first competing? Um. Not really. I mean, the strongman stuff started coming in in the late 70s, I believe about 78 or 79. And, you know, back then it was like picking up refrigerators. Right. Stuff like that. And, um, but, you know, if you go back into the, say, 50s or 60s or 70s, um, there wasn't really any strongman contests. There were odd lift contests that would have different types of exercises, maybe, that normally don't go together, you know. Um, and in different parts of the countries, those would kind of vary. If somebody sort of put together uh, the strongman stuff and started introducing some of this crazy stuff. Did you ever you know? try any of that ripping the phone book in half and all of that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I, I used to do some stuff where I'd lip, rip license plates in half. Uh, I had pretty small hands. It was kind of tough to get the phone book, but I have ripped license plates in half. So. Oh, 
Yeah, my goodness. Tell us about your books. You have three books out there to squat or not squat, extreme squatting, and extreme deadlifting. I'm getting the impression squat is your favorite. Well, yeah, squat is probably my favorite. <laughs> um, I wrote extreme squatting, and, uh, and it was out for probably five to eight years or so. And, and then I sort of upgraded it with the intentions of writing one for each of the three power lists. And so I redid it, added about 40 pages to it, and came up with my extreme squatting book over the, the original title, which was to squat or not to squat. Then I wrote the extreme deadlifting, and I'm actually sort of been in the middle of extreme benching probably for about five or six years. I trying to get up enough uh, time to actually finish that one out for the trilogy. But uh, yeah, squatting and or deadlifting were obviously my two favorite lifts. Uh, you got You got to get the bench press book out. Well, yeah, I know, and uh, I, I guess it should be more like extreme bench pressing. How to bench press a fair amount of weight when you're not a good bencher to begin with. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, I, I think what your most is, what, 450-pound bench press? Yeah, I did. Well, I did 440 at uh, 165, and then weighing about 175, I did uh, 460. God, not many people can do the 400. I, I, I would think there's a limited amount of people have ever even hit 400, let alone 440. Well, yeah, you know, the people that are in the powerlifting field, there's like some basic numbers, no matter how big you are, that if you can squat 400, bench 300, and deadlift 500, that's kind of a you know a, a fairly good start if you're interested in that career. So the three, four, five is kind of a basic number that everybody tries to you know accomplish within a short period of time if they're interested in that sport. So. When people squat. What what do you see that they're doing wrong? What's what's the most common mistake people are just not getting about that move? Um, yeah, a lot of people don't like squat because it's for most. If it's not done the right way, ninety nine percent of most people don't do it the right way. It becomes very awkward. Uh, it can give you sore knees and other things like that. If you do it the right way, then it becomes a really nice movement, like bench press. Um, probably, I think the two most things that that uh, people do it wrong is their feet aren't wide enough, their toes aren't tilted out, and the bar's too high on their neck. And so they end up letting their knees travel forward, and then you get pressure on your knees, and that's where the hatred for the, for the lift comes about. If you're doing it the right way, I mean, I, it's amazing how much there's zero pressure on your joints if you do it the correct way. I notice on your website you sell like squat shoes. Tell us about the specialized equipment and things like that a person could could use to their advantage. Yeah, I mean, it's like in any sport, whether it's baseball, football, track and field, whatever, there's specialized equipment in each one over and above just the general generic type that people are going to use for other types of athletics. Um, A high-top shoe is good for powerlifting. It helps ankle support over above a lower top one, which is good for Olympic lifting because they need the flexibility where their knees will travel forward. And the fact that it has a heel, about three-quarter inch heel, which allows for better leverage. You don't have to go quite as low to hit the depth that you need for a competition. So it, it's a more solid type shoe. It gives you good ankle support, good mm-hmm. step support. Um, you know, it's just like if you were running track and field and you're running the 100-yard dash, you want to run with a very light shoe that almost weighs nothing more than a, another pair of socks with cleats on it. So every every sport's got specialty equipment that uh, is going to be most advantageous for your 
for that uh, sport. Hey, Mr. Crane, were you able to avoid any serious injuries all these years you've been doing this? Yeah, I mean, I've never had anything super major that was caused by powerlifting. Um, you know, you're going to get your torn muscles. You're going to get uh, strained, you know, problems, uh, different things like that, you know. Um, and, you know, to some people that may be severe, but, you know, if you're probably an, an athlete, you realize it's just part of the game in your sport. But um, I think it's probably because I was very sen- sensible in, in my training routines for recovery. My form was immaculate, and I think you add all these things in, and you have less of a chance of getting hurt or uh, an easier chance of getting over whatever injuries you do get, um, and therefore the longevity of your of your career is going to be a lot longer than it otherwise would be. Somebody's just getting into this powerlifting thing, or they want to get strong. I, I'm curious, as you've worked out and worked up to all these records and all this stuff, did you limit your cardio? Um, probably didn't limit it on purpose. Um, I mean, I was a sprinter in high school and college, and, um, and so I've always done sprints on off days, maybe once a week, twice a week, um, which actually coinc- will work with, with strength training. If you do... If you're doing a strength training athlete, whether it's Olympic lifting, strongman contest, powerlifting, any of that sort of stuff, and you do too much what we consider cardio, long-distance running and stuff like that, then it's going to tend to, to, to uh, tear down and destroy muscle tissue, which is obviously antithesis of what you're trying to do, building up muscle. Now, um, if you do, you can still get some, a lot of cardio in if you're doing things that won't tear down muscle tissue, Biking is really good. Sprints are really good. Um, Agility-type movements and explosive things like that. Um, those are all going to be good if you're powerlifting or Olympic lifting or strongman contests uh, so that you, you don't uh, go against the idea of you're trying to build up muscle instead of tearing it down. So. You know, most people, maybe the average person that's not really followed this too closely, I, I know bodybuilding and powerlifting are two different things. But I do know in the early 60s, Arnold Schwarzenegger powerlifted as well as was a bodybuilder. How common is that, or could a bodybuilder be a successful powerlifter, or, or one way or the other? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, of bodybuilders that would have made excellent. Uh, powerlifters mm-hmm. and a lot of them started out that way just because they wanted to get big and strong and then they saw that well maybe they had the genetics to switch over to the other one because the training is different i mean for powerlifting you're handling heavier weight for less reps right you're just trying to strengthen your ligaments and tendons and muscles while bodybuilding you're trying to get as big as you possibly can literally not as strong and so you're doing less amount of weights more different types of smaller exercises for smaller muscle groups, and you're doing a lot higher reps with it. So they they are like on the opposite ends of the spectrum pretty much for training for their particular sport. But a lot of bodybuilders are finding that if you do powerlifting movements in the beginning to get the size Ah. and the strength, then after they've gotten that, then they can switch over or they actually start doing the bodybuilding movements, which is, 
you know, and the cardio that goes along with it to, to define the muscle and to burn the body fat away and that sort of thing. It's odd to think that you might look at the biggest bodybuilder and he's not nearly as strong as you would assume because they don't train for that. Right. I guess it's different parts of the muscle. Well, you're, a bodybuilder is working on every big muscle group and every small muscle group. Yes. I mean, he wants all, everything's got to be big. Abs and, and all so of that. so it takes a lot of exercises for these smaller group muscles that you normally wouldn't be working while a strength athlete, uh, whether it's track and field or strongman or powerlifting, whatever, you're, you're more worried about the basic bigger muscles that are gonna, you're going to be using in your sport. So you're also a musician. You have some albums. Can you tell us about the music? Well, I don't do as much as I used to. My my brother and my daughter are the real musicians. My my daughter's a been out on the road fifteen years now, and she has seven eight albums out and wow. quite an independent artist. Uh, you can just type in SamanthaCrane dot com and find her all over the internet and all over the world. And my brother was a musician before he went back to college, and uh, his group in the seventies. Made the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in South Dakota, so he's quite the musician too. I, I kind of got what was left over, I guess, from them and other family members. Are you still working out pretty often? Yeah, I still work out the same. I work out four days a week um, and do a little bit of agility and cardio, one or two, or two to three days a week on, on my off powerlifting days. I just don't uh, train. I'm going to say. I don't know if the word seriously or fanatically. <laughs> Competitively, but, uh, I guess. Yeah, I, I'm not training for a contest, but I'm still training to maintain what I've got at my age. And also, I train with other guys that are training for contests, so it helps them and helps me if, when we're lifting with each other and we're doing the same type of workouts as heavy as we can. So, so one thing I've kind of picked up on you, uh, you are, are you hiking or mountain climbing? That sounds terrifying uh, to it's me. It's kind of like uh, a little bit halfway in between. It's, I guess, extreme hiking. It's not really, uh, you know, like repelling and climbing with ropes and stuff like that. That's probably over my uh, ability at, at this age. But it's um, the 14ers, that's where I, I primarily do it in, in Colorado. And so there's about 54, approximately 14,000-foot peaks. And... Uh, you know, it's it's actually a little bit ideally suited toward a strength athlete because uh, there's a lot of cardio, obviously, involved in it, too, and then the elevation has something to do with it. But it takes a lot of uh, leg strength and uh, calf strength and things like that going up and down. So it was a little bit – it was something a little different to, to try to accomplish after my competitive days were, were coming to an end. Can you give us the website uh, where people can keep up with you and, and shop your web store? Crane, C-R-A-I-N dot W-S. That's all you need. Uh, crane dot W-S. Well, thank and, you so uh, much. Uh, great to talk to you. Very interesting. You've got to get get going on Extreme Bench Pressing, the next book. Well, I've got it going. I'm about a third to a half of the way done. I just got to get kicked in gear and finish it. So I'm sure you can do it. Hey, thank you so much. Ricky Dale Crane, a five-time world champion powerlifter. Thank you so much. We'll be right back here on Guatney Unplugged.